Pod is a ministry of Grace Church Greenwich. For more resources to help you get to know God better through his word, including bite-sized theology and answers to big questions, do check out www.greenwich.church. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Grace Pod, and we're in Leviticus chapter 26, which is all about, well, in Deuteronomy, it calls them blesses and curses. They're not called that in Leviticus, but they basically are that. They're, if you obey me, it's going to go really well. If you disobey me, it's going to go really badly. And God sets out both. Um, why don't we start with the blessings? Yeah, so the chapter begins with uh, just wonderful uh, stuff that will accompany obedience. So we get we get a little summary of the law, two particular laws. And then it says, if you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments, I will give you. And then there's the list, the rains in their season, peace in the land. They will fr- be fruitful and multiply. And the best of all comes at the end. I will be, I will walk among you and be your God. We noticed in our Bible study that this has lots of echoes of earlier in the story, but some of it is from Genesis chapter one. It's the language, be fruitful and multiply, you know, the command to Adam and Eve. And it sounds like the Garden of Eden. It's, it's a kind of paradise because there's um, food, it's abundant, and there's safety and peace. And it, it made me think as well, we live in you know 21st century London and there are dangers there from traffic accidents and violent crime and so on but the the dangers in an in an early society of wild beasts you, know, you imagine living in a time before you know when there's still lions um, that prowl the country and um, the sword coming through your land you imagine days when the borders are not secure and there's raiding parties and but protection from those there won't be any uh, wild beasts there won't be any swords coming through your land you'll be you'll be safe uh, you'll be prosperous. You'll eat well. It, it's it's all you could hope for, really. Yeah, and we um one of the echoes with a previous passage is, um I think it was two studies ago we were at Sinai hearing the Ten Commandments, and and famously just before the Ten Commandments it says, "I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and you shall have no other gods before me." And here we get the same language exactly in verse thirteen, and it's it's just a reminder that the whole dynamic for obedience for the believer has always been the same it's it's um, as we spent a lot of time on last time it's because you are a rescued people live like this so it's not um we're not landing in a chapter that's completely alien and you know somehow these uh we're, we're returning to works righteousness or something like this this is the same same world same covenant and yet it, it's, it's fueled by grace it's a result of rescue and yet the condition of if you walk in my statutes and obey my commandments is is a real condition. And was, we we're trying to think of how to describe this because it's not a condition of merit. It's not saying if you're really good, you'll earn this blessing. Um, but neither is it a redundant condition. I mean, it, it actually matters that you do this because it's like you will only enjoy the blessings I've won for you if you respond in faith. Um, faith looks like taking my word seriously, walking in it. It's interesting, out of all the Ten Commandments to choose to recap, he chooses number two and number four. So no idols and keep the Sabbath. And what? why is that? And maybe these are the two that they've so far shown that they're not very good at remembering. Mm, yeah. Because the golden calf is the idolatry. And then the Sabbath, where in the, in the, in the time of manna from the wilderness, they were always going out on Saturday looking for food when there wasn't any. And, um, 
And those are the two we're going to see a little bit later that are picked up um, when we come to the curses. So he's going to, these are particularly relevant later in the passage. Maybe they're the most worshipful of the commandments. As in, if you, if you got your relationship with God right and you worship him rightly, the rest of the moral framework of how to live falls into place. And if you, you don't turn to idols, but you turn to the true God and we keep a Sabbath, we, 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 spend time each week remembering him and his goodness that right worship will keep us on the right track morally yeah and we get this uh, lovely um slogan that comes up again and again in the bible um not just i will make my dwelling among you but i will be your god and you shall be my people we've we've had this before Mm. um and it will come up right the way through into the new creation in, in revelation 21 there is no higher privilege than God being God to you, he's committed in everything to your good, to being um, uh, on you, having your back. And um, this is the blessing that is theirs if they obey. So basically, in terms of our Bible overview story, we're saying we're almost back to a fixed world. We, we began with a beautiful world at the beginning of the Bible, and then it got wrecked by sin. But now, because of God's promises held right in front of you, he's rescued you. He's made these promises to you. As long as you walk with him, you can have paradise again. Um, and then, but if you don't walk with him, and then we've got this section of what Deuteronomy calls curses, what Leviticus calls um, the disciplines or the different kinds of punishments. Now, just looking at the chapter, Andrew, we see that the the section on punishments is twice as long, pretty much, as the section on blessings. Now, a very superficial reading might say, well, this is what I always thought about God. You know, that the, the atheist says, I, I thought this about the Old Testament. God is vengeful and he loves punishing people. And so there's twice as much detail of horrible punishments. But when we look closer, that isn't actually the reason why it's twice as long at all. The reason it's twice as long is because God keeps putting up roadblocks and roadblocks and roadblocks. And then he says, if you smash through this one, then there'll be another roadblock. And if you smash through this one, and then he says, if you will not listen to me, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic. And in spite of this, verse 18, if you will not listen to me, I will discipline you. And verse 21, and if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, I will. And verse 23, and if by this discipline you're not turned to me, then I will. And then in verse 27, if in spite of this, you will not listen to me, then I will. So in other words, to get to the ultimate curse of exile, you have to go wrong five times in a row. It's not one strike and you're out. It's God is trying everything to turn you back. And it's it's a lovely picture of God's command, say God's um, nature that he's slow to anger and abounding in love. He He's even at you know, at the last moment, if you turn to him, and we know this in, in the Christian life and we, someone's on their deathbed and they've gone through hundreds of roadblocks and had their fingers in their ears. And then even at the last minute, the Lord says, come on, you can come home. Well, I was saying the other day about that verse in Pilgrim's Progress, the famous book by John Bunyan, the Puritan. Um, there's this warning that even at the gate of heaven, there's a route to hell. And I think John Bunyan's point is, make sure you persevere right to the very end and don't don't be complacent in your old age. You've got to keep... But this is almost the opposite point of that, is saying even at the gate to hell, there's a door to heaven, as in God holds out the possibility five times of, has this woken you up yet to your, your stupidity and your foolishness? Will you not repent yet? 
Yeah, and the repeated uh, refrain is, if you will not listen to me, which uh, says that the Lord is calling. He's calling, come back, come back. If you will not listen, if you will not listen. Um, and it's a lovely reminder that um, of the place of the Lord's word in um, bringing us back home to him. And the, the key um, to the Christian life is being good listeners. We, we had um, in church on Sunday, the parable of the sower, be careful then how you hear. Um, we need to be those with um, soft hearts who are qu- quick to hear and turn back. So we could, we could say just from the overall shape of the chapter that God is reluctant to curse or to punish, or at least he's reluctant to punish to the full extent. There's like mini punishments to, to wake you up before you get to the, the worst and final one. But it has to be said, the punishments are all pretty terrifying. And yes, God's patient and slow to anger, but the I guess the other half of that character description of God is, but I won't live the leave the guilty unpunished so well verse 17 i'll set my face against you you'll be struck down uh, those who hate you will rule over you or verse 19 i will break the pride of your power um, and there's all this whole succession of of judgments that actually if we know the rest of the old testament we can trace them all happening in, in turn so uh, there'll be plagues is the first one and well there's a plague in the book of numbers when the people commit sexual immorality at the bar of Peor. Um, and then he talks about the uh, the heavens will be like iron and the earth like bronze. In other words, there'll be no rain. And we think of Elijah and it didn't rain for three and a half years and there was a massive famine. Um, or then you have, um, um, I'll let uh, I'll let loose the wild beasts against you. Think of Elisha, baldy head, baldy head, and the, the bears that maul um, some of the idolaters. Um, and and it it keeps going and it gets worse and worse and worse and you know this this awful awful judgment of you will eat the flesh of your sons and of your daughters and in the book of Ezekiel he promises that during the siege of Jerusalem it will get so bad that people are eating you know the, the dead bodies of those who've died early in the famine just for food so yes God is slow to deliver ultimate judgment. But he's not soft. It's quite a hard discipline in the attempt to turn us from our sin. Yeah, even the word discipline, it's it comes out of family life. The the father who loves his children will discipline them, and so even these these terrible moments in Israel's history is because th- there's a dad trying to say come home, and and you can see the effect. I think verse nineteen, I will break the pride of your power, and then verse forty one. When, when it all goes wrong, it says, if then their uncircumcised heart is humbled. So even oh. in the moment of the, these terrible things, they're not just pure retribution. They're teaching aids. And if you're too puffed up, I'll bring you low so that you can be humble and return. So that, that the Lord is working for their good in the discipline. So God set before them these two options. Uh, you can either be blessed or you can be punished. You can either listen or you can refuse to listen. But then if you choose the wrong path, you get another two options. Now you can turn back to me or you can keep going. And then you get another two options. Now you can turn back to me or you can keep going. But if you keep taking the wrong turning at every single decision, times five, you get to the very end where God kicks you out of the promised land and you go into exile. But amazingly, that that isn't the end of the passage even. So the ultimate punishment 
actually isn't the ultimate punishment. It's not the absolute end of the story. And we get this, uh, the last seven verses of the passage, um, assume the worst, that they will go into exile. And then it says, if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, um, and um, then it says, verse 42, I will remember my covenant with Jacob. I will remember my covenant with Isaac and Abraham, and I will remember the land and so even, I mean, imagine how, what a comfort these verses would have been in those terrible days, uh, you know, being shipped off to Babylon and knowing what, what should be the end of the road with us and God, this is like a divorce. And yet these words that actually, even in the far country, there's a, we can come back to the father. You're echoing the prodigal son there. <laughs> and they, and they, yeah. So yeah. eating pigs well and the pods longing to eat the pods that the pigs ate. There's a way back. And there's another reference to the Exodus at the end, and I think this is significant. So it comes at the beginning in the blessings. We're reminded, I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And we've already said this. The point of that is grace came first. You were rescued first. This is a response to rescue. It's not earning it. But the, the second reference to the Exodus right at the end, I think, is also hopeful in a different kind of way. Because when they're in the land of their enemies... In other words, when they're in Babylon, um, in the exile, remember that I brought them out of the land of Egypt. And I think there's a hint here that certainly gets developed later in the Bible, in the in the prophets, Isaiah and Ezekiel and so on, that God rescued once and he knows how to do it again. So what sometimes people call the second exodus, the I got you out of Egypt, I can get you out of exile too. Um, the same rescue that got us this far will will get us out of the, the pit a second time and we're in a, a bible overview so we are going to hit in you know the weeks to come exactly when this happens historically and the people are sent off and come back and, and it, amazingly th- this is like almost the whole bible <laughs> isn't it i mean th- this is the old testament in in advance you actually get everything now from numbers to malachi is summarized in this chapter so it's a prophetic let me tell you the timeline as it unfolds from here yeah, and and what a a comfort to know that the, things haven't spiraled out of control. But this is this is to script, and the Lord will come and and eventually fulfil His promise. The other, beyond this, the other side of this, I think we get the point historically. Then I mean, th- this is the Israelites. They're at a crossroads. They they got an option to choose God or to choose against God, and they they go wrong, and they go wrong, and they go wrong, and they go wrong, and then God brings them back. It's kind of easy to understand as a history lesson, but let, let's just think about how we fit in as Christians. So. On the one hand, you could say, where are we in this Bible timeline? And the answer is, we're not. We're after it. So all of this is Old Testament stuff. And then they go into exile, they come back, and then comes Jesus. And we read in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So I guess this is a fulfillment of the end of the passage. When they're in exile... How are they going to get in, out of the punishment of exile? And the, and the answer is Jesus takes the curse and and brings them back. And that's where we come in. So we, we come in as a people who've um, been rescued out of an even worse problem through the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus. So we, we can kind of, in that with that lens, I guess we look back on Leviticus and say, phew, thank goodness I didn't have to live through that. You know, if I had a time machine, I wouldn't, really wouldn't have wanted to go back in time to any of these years. 
Um, thank goodness I come after Jesus and everything's all okay. And and that yeah, that's valid. That is one of the perspectives that the New Testament has on it. The kind of Bible timeline we come later. But all the way through our Bible overview, as well as doing Bible timeline, we try to think about typology. Where is the pattern of this chapter foreshadowing something that comes later in the New Testament? And so even though we're after it in terms of the unfolding history, we're kind of still in the same paradigm in terms of how it works with God. So one of the uh, verses we thought of uh, that connects with the New Testament is John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, Jesus says, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. And this um, passage, it, it, Jesus says, I am the true Israel. That's what the, it means to be the vine. And what was always a problem for Israel, showing lives of fruitfulness, and God would come to look for fruit and there was none. And that's why they got expelled from the land. What was a problem is now a promise. So for us, in connection to Jesus, if we abide in him, we will bear fruit. We'll be able to do what Israel could never do. We won't suffer that same uh, covenant uh, curse that they did. And yet then off the back of that, Jesus says, but be careful. Because if you don't stick with me, you're like a branch that withers and you'll be thrown away. So so still, actually, the the the, the warning of Leviticus 26 comes through to us that we, we mustn't throw this away and, and, and stop listening and stop uh, clinging to Christ. We, we um, will face a, uh, a terrible fate if we do. I think you first showed me John 15 as the possible cross-reference a few years ago, Andrea, but I think it's such a compelling one, isn't it? Because... I guess some people would say, oh, Leviticus, that's the old covenant and we're now in the new covenant and they don't emphasize the contrast. But it's pretty obvious that John 15 is to new covenant people. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And in fact, not even all the disciples, it's the the 12 disciples minus Judas. So it's Jesus talking to his faithful disciples and then he, he warns them. And there's no possibility that you think that the the condition here could be meritorious. You know, I'm the vine. If you try really, really hard to be good, you'll bear fruit. It's like, no, I'm the vine. I'm I'm your savior. Stick with me and you'll bear fruit. So it's not a condition of merit, but it is a condition. Like if you stick with Jesus, you're going to be blessed. If you don't stick with Jesus, then you're going to be cut off and and burned. So I think it really helps. All the problems some people have with Leviticus 26, oh, this is worksy. Well, you wouldn't have a, that problem with Jesus' words in John 15. He's, Jesus isn't being worksy. He's just saying, there's, it's basically a condition of, do you stick with me or not? And that I guess that's what it is in Leviticus. It's not, are you going to be a perfect law keeper? It's, are you going to stick with me or not? Yeah. And, and what a, a great encouragement for us to make sure that we cling to the vine, that we bear fruit in him. Um, we've got these incredible privilege that they didn't have and um, we should treasure them. Just in terms of understanding this theologically, Andrew, we've sometimes made the distinction between sin and apostasy. Do you want to just say what the two are and why they're sort of different ways of thinking theologically? Yeah, so I guess within the Old Covenant, it's it's given that sin will, is part of the package. There'll be ways that you can do sacrifices for dealing with sin. A normal believer will sin, um, but that's not the same as saying uh, uh, there'll be apostasy. Apostasy is when you turn your back. 
it's it's the equivalent in a marriage of of uh, infidelity that ends the marriage mm-hmm. um and so um yeah i guess we we need to distinguish none of us has is perfect as a husband or a wife but we do know what it is to be a faithful spouse i think we've seen this quite a lot maybe even in grace but i can't remember but in the bible you get the distinction often so sin is forgivable but apostasy isn't because in apostasy you've actually turned your back on the one who would have forgiven you and i I just think of pairs of people recently i was looking at um to samuel and the difference between saul and david is david they both sin but david repents of it and comes back where saul sins and doesn't come back or you think of similarly peter and judas they both let jesus down but Peter's devastated and comes back and Judas doesn't come back. And so Leviticus is saying, be careful of the sin of Saul, be careful of the sin of Judas, be careful of the sin of turning your back on me and my commandments in a way that won't come back. So this isn't, as you say, it's not the sin that every Christian does, and there's forgiveness. This is the sin that be very careful that you don't end up in a place when you've left God and his commandments behind. Thanks so much for listening to Grace Pod and do join us again next time. Thank you for listening to Grace Pod. For more information about Grace Church Greenwich, visit www.greenwich.church.